Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. This is our episode number 15 and the fourth episode of the Feedlot series. As you may know, during these first six months, we are going to be talking about protein studies related to calf-fed hosting steers. We have talked about the amino acid requirements in our first episode. We talked about urea supplementation in the second. The last episode, we talked about the phase feeding in the calf-fed hosting system, one phase versus two phases versus three phases. And in this episode, more specifically, we are going to discuss a paper called Comparative Feeding Value of the Steers dried grains plus solubles as a partial replacement for steam flake corn in diets for calf-fed hosting steers, characteristics of digestion, growth performance, and dietary energetics. So let's go ahead and call Brooke Latex to join our call. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. Are you getting ready for the summer, Brooke? Yeah, we're ramping up here, getting into the high one, 100 and the teens, almost 120. Yeah, this week's going to be warm. So so let's let's go, come back to our call. And what is, what is the paper? Uh, I already mentioned the name of the paper, but can you tell us a little bit more? When was this paper published? Where it was conducted? And what were the objectives of the paper? Sure. So um, this paper was published in 2013. It was performed down here at the Desert Research and Extension Center in Holtville, California. And the objective of the study was to evaluate the comparative feeding values of DDGs as a partial replacement for steam flake corn in growing finishing diets for calf-fed Holstein steers. Great. So we it was almost 10 years ago in 2013, and we were just talking about a little bit before we started that. Back on that time, we had almost similar times that we are having right now. We we had really high corn prices, and, and nutritionists, they were looking to increase the seeders in the diet to help with the the high corn prices, and a lot of research was being done in the Midwest looking for replacing corn with the steelers. But, but that was one of the first papers that evaluated replacing the steelers to calf-fed hosting steers, right, Brooke? Correct. Yep. So can you go ahead and tell us a little bit more how did the authors approach these objectives? Which experiment they conducted? It looks like they did two experiments, right? So the authors did two experiments. One metabolism study, uh, they used four Holstein steers with cannulas in the rumen and the proximal duodenum. And they fed the same diets as the feedlot study that I'll talk about in a little bit. And so the second study was a feedlot study with 144 half-fed Holstein steers. They came in around 246 plus or minus 13 pounds. And those steers were blocked in to 24 pens, so six steers per pen. They had four diets, so that would mean um, six pens per diet. And those four diets, and it's important to note for the diets that distiller's grains replaced the steam flake corn. So the first diet was the control diet where there were 0% DDGs. The second diet was 10% DDGs. The third diet was 20% DDGs. And the fourth diet was 30% DDGs. Perfect. So we had 77% steam flake corn and 0% the seeders in the first diet. And we increased the seeders 10% and decreased steam flake corn, replacing corn by the seeders, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's important to remember that this 0% the seeders is a very traditional uh, diet fed here in the Southwest as urea being the main source of, of protein as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. Perfect. So let's go ahead and, and move to the results. So what were the major findings in this study where they were replacing cor- steam flake corn by the seeders' grain? So the biggest performance improvement we saw was 
from day one to day one, 126. In that time frame, they saw no effect on dry matter intake, but they did see an increase in average daily gain, feed efficiency, and dietary net energy. And th- these responses were maximized when DDGs were included at But overall, through the whole feeding period, and from day 127 to finish, we didn't see that improvement in performance. And then the one uh, measurement on carcass performance that they saw a difference in was hot carcass weight was um, greatest for diets with 20% DDG inclusion. So really, they were seeing that performance in the carcass and just in the feedlot increase with the 20% DDG inclusion. Great. So one point here to go back a little bit to the diet, Brooke, is important to, as we increase the seeders, we also increase the protein content of the diet, right? So we went from 12 to 13 to 14 to almost 16%. And the 20% that were mentioned is the diet with 14.8% protein. And it's, it's interesting that they actually observed the difference in performance during that growing phase that we talked in the previous episode, right? So that first 112 to 168 days on the two-phase feeding or three-phase feeding that we talked about on the previous episode was when they observed the difference. On the second phase, animals performed well, but that greater gain at the beginning was actually able to produce heavier carcass on the animals that were getting 20% distillers. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great point because um, one thing they talked about in this paper specifically was that metabolizable amino acids are limiting during the initial feeding period, which is what we talked about in our last episode. And in this paper, they thought that improvement in performance that they saw here would be partially attributed to that increase in metabolizable amino acids supplied from the DDG. So like you said, that increased protein really helped them during that day one to day 126. Perfect. I think that that's one of the main, again, we, we are talking about uh, since the, the first episode that the requirements of this cat-fed hosting steers during that growing phase, it's very important. And even though when we formulate a diet, sometimes we are meeting the requirements for the whole over 300 days on feed, that first 112 to 150 days, let's say 130 days, phase feeding is very important. And we often don't meet the requirements with the diets that we use only urea as a, as a main protein source. So I think that the biggest take-home message for me from this call is that we can increase the seeders in the diet and we actually had maximum performance when we fed and when we replaced tin flake corn with 20% the seeders. I don't know what if you have, if you have any final thoughts, any final message to our listeners. No, you covered my biggest take-home message, too, for this paper. Yeah, so we might be looking to feed more distillers, especially uh, now when corn prices are high. And, and hopefully, by that as well, we can meet the uh, not, not producing less expensive diets, but also meeting the, the protein requirements for those cat-fed hostings. Exactly. So I would like to thank you to listen to another Kettle Call. Uh, we appreciate if you have any comments or questions or concerns. Please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. We have all of this information in a printed form in our monthly newsletter, which the, the link to subscribe is, is here below in, in the description of this podcast. And please let us know if you have any questions or, or any message that you want to share with us. Uh, any final message, Brooke? 
Nope. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke, for joining us one more time. And don't forget, Brooke, is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Thank you. Thank you. This lonesome cattle call.